Hi, this is Sean Parker with another episode of Fill in the Blank Podcast, where we bring forward people who are leaders in the community and some people who are just doing wonderful things in the community. Today with us, we have Jim Kowarden. Jim is the person in charge of putting together a new type of charter school that we have not seen in Central Ohio. And we're very excited to learn about Jim and to also learn about the charter school initiative that he has put forward to help educate the kids in our community. So, Jim, welcome. And tell us a little bit about about Jim. Well, thank you. I came to Columbus in the 70s and studied at Ohio State, uh, studied special education, and went for a doctorate there and in special education. Prior to that, I did some teaching in a classroom, and then administration afterward. Nice, nice. And your career in education, uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about that, a little bit about how you founded your way through or, or progressed your way through education uh, with a doctorate in education from Ohio State, which is one of the top five educational colleges in the United States for quite a long time, obviously, uh, we love Ohio State here in Central Ohio. Um, did you see education as being efficient and accomplishing the goal of educating children, or did you see things that needed improved on? Well, I, th- I was very fortunate in in studying with the special education faculty uh, at Ohio State mm-hmm. um, because I uh, my my training undergrad was pretty much an engineering uh, degree from the U.S. Naval Academy. So I was familiar with numbers and, and um, felt comfortable with numbers, and the special education programs tended to, to count behaviors and count things and chart them and see what progress uh, students were making um, with lots of testing, small testing. And... Uh, and and ways to change uh, the behavior that needed to to get stronger and make weaker behavior that needed to to weaken in students. Hmm. So it was a very practical approach, a scientific approach, somewhat of an engineering approach. Uh-huh. And it gave me uh, quite a bit of confidence in being able to teach children. And. Uh, it, it, it back even in those days, it, it was somewhat missing in um, mainstream education, unfortunately. Hmm. Wow. Um, and um, we knew that, and and I was very happy with uh, with special ed. So education, I know it has evolved at a at a good clip in the eighties. Uh, my undergrads in education as well, and. We, we started to realize that one size did not necessarily fit all. And do you think that we have over-segmented education to where we have lost track of the basics of education? Or do you think that we're in exactly the place where we should be today in the way that we assess the way people learn and teach and, and the general education environment? Well, it, it tends to be... Uh... Education is fairly effective for students who, uh, children who who are who grow up in uh, families where the where the uh, verbal, where there's a, a lot of talking, a lot of um, 
things that the parents get the kids to talk, to read, uh, and a strong environment like that prepares a child for school. But there are a lot of kids uh, in the uh, urban areas all across the United States who are not being taught effectively. Okay. And unfortunately, lately, it's it's come to my attention, and not just me, but, but lots of people, that um, the programs in education are, are weak hmm. and, um, and, and are not doing the job that the parents want them to do. And so um, it's a shame because I think education is going away from what it should do rather than trying to – Then it's not improving the way it should improve, I don't – in my estimation and the estimation of a lot of people. Huh. So, I mean, that's clearly a – it's a massive topic. I mean, the majority of the budget of the state of Ohio is education. The majority of the budget of – of the people, the taxpayers of every city in Ohio also is education, as is the townships and the rural districts. Uh, is this a is is this something that's solved with money? Is it? I mean, what what three things? If you had to say three or five things, I mean, don't let me limit you by any chance or or stretch the imagination. What 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 things are fundamentally needing improvement in that process? I heard home life for one. What else besides that? Well, it's hard to improve home life, actually, uh, because the, the kids that are having a bad home life, are uh, their parents were badly instructed uh, for years and years in the schools, too. The things that, that are, it's a systemic problem. Okay. Um, it, it's, it's very hard to change. It's very hard to change the way educators are thinking about education. And um, the problem really frankly, goes back to one one thing. When President Kennedy was was elected, he, he, he got a lot of votes from educators okay. because he promised that he would allow teachers to, to strike and to uh, form unions. And he was told by, by experts in education who were advocates for teachers that it was a bad idea, but he had promised that he would. He promised that he would uh, he would sign a presidential order to allow teachers who are government employees to strike. Hmm. At that moment, he made the, ten- the teachers' unions not prof- no longer professional unions, but trade unions. Okay. And trade unions, um, to put it bluntly, are always seeking more wages for less work. It's okay. A, it's their natural thing to do. Yeah, very and, protective, right? Yes, and it 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 crippled education, quite frankly, is one of the biggest things. Did I, it did it cripple from the standpoint of time or from the standpoint of task or both? Standpoint of what? Of time or task, meaning the teachers were working oh, fewer hours but maybe still putting in the same uh, trying to accomplish as much um, teaching, well, or, or it, what are your it, thoughts on that? A it accomplished uh, the the setup of three monopolies. Okay, a three level monopoly. The first is that uh, is that there are only two um, 
really two teachers unions. Okay. Uh, National Federation of Teachers, or the National, let's see, National Education Association and the American Federation of Teachers. The American Federation of Teachers is largely in New York and not very strong anywhere else, but the National Education Association, NEA, is all over the country. Uh, they even got to the point where it re they re some judges required that teachers join the NEA because it was their bargaining agent. Okay. And um, so they, 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 there were not there was no competition in the teachers' unions or the that the the, pla the uh, places where teachers could could go to join together. Hmm. The next monopoly really is um, the the government, the federal government, or or all teachers are government um, employees, and yeah, there's different levels of government, but there's only one government, so uh, that's a monopoly. Okay. And the third thing is really uh, at the local level, um, the uh, uh, school boards or the the parents are told where the school children will go to school. Uh, they they you know say you live in this neighborhood, this is where you go to school. Okay. And we know the monopolies are bad because they take away initiative. Uh, they protect. Um, the people who who are under the monopoly from failure, um, and if you can't fail, you will fail, for sure. Yeah. Because you you have no you have no reason um, to to uh, to have a high quality product. Makes sense. Kind of uh, wow. I. That brings some not so happy thoughts to mind, I guess, when you think about that scenario and that system. Yep. So, what about private schools and uh, and parochial schools? Are they also members of of that structure to a bigger or lesser degree? Private schools have their own um, uh, group, their own their own advocacy group. Uh, they don't, and so and, and they don't mingle with the. Uh, with the, with the public school teachers groups, and parochial, I I'm not sure whether they they prob I'm not sure if they do the private school or or have their own themselves, um, but it's um, and and you would think that the private schools um, would be different, and they probably are different, but they also um, try to leave parents out of the equation too much. And and more and more, and as we as we're learning uh, from um, what's happening in the society right now, parents can be fairly cons much concerned about the um, the the, um, the well how how private schools are managing themselves as well. But of course, in private schools, you have you usually have families from obviously. Uh, more means than than urban families, and they tend to have a richer um, verbal um, uh, uh, environment mm -hmm. that they bring their children up in, and typically those children have a little easier time in school. Yeah, and it's uh, I know early early education getting kids when they're in preschool has the studies after study after study shows that. Grabbing them that early leads to 
huge yields educationally to their development, to their ability to learn. Um, it's no longer about kindergarten. It's about getting them a couple years earlier. Um, do you agree with that? And if, if, if yes or no, um, what would we change about that? Well, I, I agree that uh, the earlier the better. There's no question. The question is whether the early programs are coloring and uh, telling maybe you know telling stories or playing and uh, and recess and, and not um, rigorous academically. Um, it's very um, uh, so there may be a wasted time with the young kids. If not, if the programs are effective, then absolutely is the earlier the better. But there are not a whole lot of programs out there that uh, know how to be effective with kids that young. Okay, interesting. So you're working on an initiative right now. Um, you've started charter schools successfully. Can you tell us a little bit about your track record with uh, the charter school industry? And that will lead us into what you're up to next. Okay. Yeah, I, um, I was uh, asked to go down to North Carolina from Columbus uh, to be the headmaster of a charter school uh, back in the uh, mid-'90s. And um, that was quite an experience. Uh, we were a charter school. We were somewhat independent. Um, there was a company that managed the school. And uh, we, uh, the reason I was asked that they were using a curriculum that uh, is a wonderfully s strong, effective curriculum, <coughs> excuse me, that we used with special ed kids, but it, it was extremely successful for any kid, and the brighter the better, or the more, more adv advantaged the better. Um, tremendous program, and that was the key. Uh, I learned that program, and uh, the people asked me to go down there because they knew that I was I, I knew the program. So I went down there for a year and came back to Columbus, and real and found out that Ohio had a charter law. In in Ohio, charter schools are called community schools. Okay. So if I use community school, I mean charter school. If I if I say charter school, I mean community school in Ohio. Uh, it's a technical problem. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it took, uh, I spent about a year, I, I knew that I knew how to teach kids and could put together uh, a, a, a staff of teachers and administrators who could, who could teach kids effectively. I had great confidence in that. But it's very hard, um, basically in Ohio, the legislature said, okay, you can uh, start a school in the, in the failing districts, in the urban districts generally, mm -hmm. and take the kids who are failing and take about half, maybe 60% of the money that, they would normally, that you would normally get in a district school and uh, find your own building and, and buy your own books, and, and uh, we will transport your kids. But otherwise, um, take the tough kids take a lot less money and have a good time. <laughs> okay. So 50 cents on the dollar is roughly the Six, budget? Maybe 60 cents, but yeah. Uh, what kind of results did you get with that big of a, of a pay cut? Obviously, you, did you only get 60% of the results? We got more like 
uh, well, we got far better results than a typical uh, community, a typical school with the same population. We got far better results. Okay. Our little, our kids, we would we would have youngsters uh, come into the door and not know their name because they were maybe the sixth or eighth child in uh, in the family, and by that time the parents were just calling them you. So he didn't. He wait, didn't wait, wait! Know. I got to stop on that. That's got to be emphasized. Is that kind of an exaggeration, or is that a is that a true statement? I mean, are you? It it, it didn't happen all the time. But it, but it, even one time, <laughs> that happened yeah. once yeah. or more. Well, more than once. More than once. But okay. but it wasn't frequent. But they they wouldn't answer the role because they didn't know their name. But that kind of shows that shows us the lowest of the low, in my opinion. Well, it it yeah. I mean, it could have been a loving family. It could have been a lot of things. But but the, but they but they weren't. The, people address them without addre- using their name. Wow. <laughs> I mean, these are human beings. Oh yeah, they're wonderful, wonderful little kids. Wow. Uh, our motto was that all kids can learn, and if it, if they didn't learn, it was our fault. We were at fault, not so, the child. So, so you place the standard of performance on you and your staff. Absolutely. Nowhere and else. Nowhere else. There was no, no out. There was no no way to get past that or around that. And that was our motto, and, and I told the teachers that was the case. Uh, now, of course, there are children with handicaps, mm-hmm. uh, uh, severe handicaps c- can be, and in, in all, in all, all uh, uh, severity levels. But uh, most of the kids, 90%, don't need, don't need special f- uh, treatment. But there's about a 15% uh, 50% of the kids are put in special education classes. Okay. And, uh, but far, far fewer are really uh, handicapped kids. M- mainly they've uh, had teaching that's handicapped hmm. and programs that are just not uh, suited. The teachers may not be given programs that will work with kids who, who come in with low language skills. So these kids would hit the door, and they'd come in, and uh, by Christmas we had them reading. Okay. Uh, and reading. I mean, no, not reading uh, uh, War and Peace, but reading words, sounding out words with comprehension, okay. and uh, beginning to read stories. And we'd have great celebrations when the kids would read their first word, sound it out and say it fast. We'd, have, we'd celebrate that as a great thing. And, and um, the program just was tremendously uh, good, and it would take... A uh, few teachers are trained in it, so we would have to train them. Uh, but the programs were so explicit and well written that we could, um, uh, uh, you know, we 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 had success with virtually all the kids. Are these programs what are being utilized in in most of our public schools today, or are these unique programs that uh, aren't mainstream? They're absolutely not used because. Uh, I'll put it bluntly, educators are too hard-headed to look at the data and see that they work. They, they were, they were uh, written, uh, and the, the approach was invented by a gentleman who was not trained in education, but he was trained in philosophy. But um, he, he created these programs, and you could probably do a, pad, a whole podcast just on these programs. 
but um, he, he created programs that really worked. And, he, cre and he, he got to the point where he wrote down exactly what the teachers should say and when they should say it and what the kids should say back and what they should do if the kids don't answer the questions or say the right thing back to the teacher, how to correct it. Uh, not, not terribly difficult as a concept, but pretty difficult uh, to write six levels of reading K through beginning reading through uh, fifth grade or sixth grade, um, teaching reading to a to a naive learner to a young child is a technical task. It's very hard, and if you get off on the wrong foot, it's hard to uh, it's hard to correct things. Uh, but um, our programs were very successful, so I knew that I could teach kids, and I could train teachers to do it effectively too. So the trick was to find a place to have a school. <laughs> yeah. Our, our, um, I want to just stick on the teacher thing real quick. Um, without a whole lot of elaboration, when a person graduates college with a teaching degree, is everybody a good teacher? Well, um, clearly not. Um, I suppose uh, people who... who uh, graduate college with a CPA degree or, or, or so forth uh, become much, much better as they get into the practice of it and learn uh, and learn by doing. It's probably true in, in all the professions. Mm -hmm. But um, the problem with um, education is that the, uh, the feedback to teachers and the um, necessity to do things well and become better it's not always there. Now, teachers uh, can figure it out themselves. A lot of them can. Not all of them, but a lot of them can. And after after some time teaching some of the same things, um, they can become come quite good, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But teaching reading, for instance, is not something that you just figure out uh, or it take, would take too much time if everybody had to figure it out. So you need programs that tell teachers how to do it and how to do it effectively, okay. and uh, they don't, they don't, ex they don't exist on a wide, wide basis or a widely uh, employed basis. Uh, there are some better programs that are better than others, but uh, occasionally school districts will give the teachers very little uh, direction in how to how to start kids out. And um, if the kids have had a strong verbal background from their home, it's much easier for them to learn to learn uh, to read. But some kids who don't have that background of uh, strong uh, language in the home can really struggle. I know and that, um, and just in that thought, that uh, Dolly Parton, the entertainer, has a program out now, and I believe that uh, Fran DeWine, the governor's wife, has signed on in a very big way to send a book to every household that has a child under the age of six in the state of Ohio. And uh, Dolly Parton, of course, is doing it in other, other areas as well. I mean, if you look at her background, she came out of Appalachia. Um, you know, not, not an easy place to make a start in life for people in general, although uh, some of our best people, of course, come out of Appalachia. Um, and she effectively believes that kids who are read to become better learners does that that seems to go along with what you're saying is that a is that something we should be investing in as well oh i think so um 
I think without a doubt, anything that you can do to to uh, give the kids an experience and how to express themselves and in our language prepares them for school. It's it's the best preparation. Nice. Well, it's I always say, you know, moms and dads are the are the best teachers uh, when when they step in and take care of their kids. Uh, so, moving forward. Uh, you are working with the Barney Charter School Initiative to start a new school in Central Ohio. Can you tell us about what that is, why it's needed, and what's happening? Yes, um, the Barney Charter School Initiative is is uh, a uh, initiative of Hillsdale College. Uh, Hillsdale College is a uh, uh, in in Michigan. It's about, uh, it has about 1,500 students on campus. And uh, it's, a, it's a liberal arts uh, college, but it teaches uh, all of the subjects. Um, and um, it is uh, very, very sought after. It's very hard to get into. Uh, the students that get in there are uh, the, the cream of the crop. <laughs> and Hillsdale does not take one cent of government money. Hmm. They raise their money through uh, donations and uh, maybe things that they uh, s- sell, but they but mainly they give things away <laughs> from what I okay. from my experience. And at one point in time, the board of directors, I think a gentleman named Barney, uh, suggested to the board of directors that uh, charter schools, which had become uh, somewhat were growing in the United States. Well, they well, let's see. I think they started about five years ago. So, charter schools were pretty well well started in throughout the United States and in, in virtually every state, because every state has its different set of laws. Mm-hmm. Um, they decided to uh, create charter schools that taught children in the classical way, the way the Greeks and Romans taught, and. Uh, to uh, teach character and teach morals um, the way a baseball coach teaches his team to play baseball. You, you talk about it, you study it, you practice the right way of doing things. And so along with, with all of the uh, subject areas, uh, the great books, uh, the Constitution, all the things that literally years ago were taught in the public schools but have fallen away mm-hmm. that they would emphasize and uh, they would emphasize behavior uh, appropriate behavior from kids and um, all the good things that that parents know are the right things for their children to learn they the these Barney charter school would emphasize they did it in the charters in the charter school model so that Literally, they could start in pretty much any any state that had a good charter school law. And Barney Charter Schools has developed a curriculum that they require, if you're their partner, they require that you use the curriculum and, and use it faithfully as they have written it. They will train you, and they will provide the curriculum uh, at no charge. Hmm. Because if they were to charge... They would violate their rule of taking no government money. So this is a public service they do for the betterment of kids' education uh, as a public service type of thing. Absolutely. Um, And uh, they have 
27 or so schools that have been started, 14,000 kids in the schools with the almost a wait list that's almost uh, that large because parents who are conscientious, and there are awful lot of conscientious parents back there. We, we, there's a sort of a myth that in the urban areas, the parents don't care. Uh, that's certainly not what we found when we opened our schools. They care very, very much, and they want their their students to have as as good an education as they can possibly find for them and they were they were so happy to have a choice to be able to to bring their children out of the uh uh district public schools uh, into into charter schools now that's interesting i i, I want to go back to that just a little bit parents okay. in the urban districts are as interested or more interested in the success of their children as urban, as suburban because it's the pathway out of poverty, the pathway to progress, or, um, I mean, that's a, that's a big statement because a lot of people think that these kids are left behind and their parents don't care about them. You're saying their parents do care. They, well, not all do. Obviously, yeah. there are some deadbeats, but yeah, a lot more. It is, it's a myth to say that they don't generally don't care. They generally do care very much, and for the right reasons that, that you've listed. Uh, and um, uh, they, they, they don't know how, they don't have a, a way of, effect, of, of being effective in the schools that they're um, designated to go to. Hmm. Uh, uh, those schools run by the district, there's no way the parents are going to have much say in what goes on. So in a charter school or a community school, as it's called in Ohio, uh, when a child comes to school, they bring the money that you run your operation with. And they literally, they, they as much as come and hand it to you, <laughs> they don't obviously. Mm -hmm. But if they're not at the school, your uh, your your income goes down and your plans can be um, changed by that. So um, the parents get a different, are, are treated differently. When a parent walked in the door of our school, it was a customer. Hmm. It was somebody we wanted to cultivate. It was somebody we wanted to serve. And if you can imagine going into a regular district school, now, now, now again, it's it's not a hard and fast rule. There are some principals who probably set up an environment in schools where parents are cherished and parents are are uh, treated uh, as customers, mm -hmm. but not not all of them for sure, and uh, not and, and it's it's a little abnormal. But uh, these kids literally were our uh, bread and butter. They were wow. our they were our money and. Um, uh, we wanted them to be satisfied, and we wanted we wanted to teach them effectively. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I know that's a big thing with colleges, right? You want your kids to graduate to be leaders of companies and uh, highly paid professionals, so they can come back and donate and give you even more money in the future. It's kind of an investment, but at the same time, it's a free market value proposition to a degree. Um, so where, where are you guys at in the process right now? Um, are you going to open up five of these, six of these? I mean, it sounds like there's a big market opportunity uh, to, to just, you know, open the doors and say, hey, let's go with this uh, Barney Charter School initiative. Well, uh, it would be nice. I like those numbers, five or six schools. I think there could be that many in the, in the area.
Um, we have uh, we have passed the first uh, uh, step to become the a partner with Barney Charter Schools, and uh, we have a second, more like a contract, not not a contract for money, but a contract to promise that we'll do certain things that they know would would help make us successful as a school, and that we promise as a, a, a board to uh, do those things. And if we are negligent or we don't measure up, uh, Barney Charter Schools could say, you're not measuring up and, and mm -hmm. we're not going to let you continue. So we're at that point where we're at the second level, which is the, the, the final level, which says we're a bona fide uh, partner with them. And um, their next, our next step is to uh, is to apply to a sponsor. Every community school has to have a sponsor. Okay. A sponsor is like the district office. Uh, they have multiple sponsors sponsor multiple schools. Okay. The State Department of Education certifies sponsors. I think there are about a half a dozen of them in the state. So um, if you want to be a community school, you go to a sponsor and say, I'd like to apply to you to become a school. The sponsor gives you a form or a, a set of questions and answers, and th or not the answers, but the questions and specifics that you have to uh, gather together to make a report and answer uh, all of the things that they ask you to do. And, if, and then they evaluate you, interview you, evaluate you, and if they approve you, uh, the next step then is to is to finalize a contract okay. with the sponsor. So we are just about to wrap up our application, our initial application to the sponsor at this point. We feel confident um, that we have the right experience and the right team put together to uh, for the sponsor to approve us. Nice. What's um, so? What else do you need in terms of you'll get your sponsorship? <laughs> Um, what part of, you know, do you know what part of town this school is going to be in? How would, how would a parent try to have their child attend this school? What, what, what would they need to do, and when do you expect to open? We won't open before um, 2024. We're giving ourselves uh, a bit of time to get everything straight. We need everything. Uh, we, we have a small group of people who are interested we know that there are lots of parents out there that are interested in uh, in a classical education. Uh, that's what I've been, been talking about when talking about morals and ethics in the Constitution and the great books and science and music and the arts and teach all of that as it was taught literally back in the by the Greeks and Romans who uh, had a very effective system of education. Hmm. So we need to uh, find a building which we don't have location for yet. We need to build the school within that building. I uh, doubt we'll build a, a separate building because there are a number of them around, but it has to be uh, uh, zoned properly. Uh, and, and there are very few buildings that are, are already uh, set up as schools. Uh, to find one of those would be a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. But we may have to take an office building that has larger areas and 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 uh, put up walls and wiring and lighting and so forth maybe not lighting but 
And in other words, just build uh, a structure within the structure to house um, the school. So we have to pay for that. At this point in time, we are just beginning to um, to take donations. Our money will come from people who realize that children need this kind of education and who are uh, uh, have the means and uh, the interest and will donate to us. Uh, schools have been, most all the schools really have started this way, and so there are people out that, that will help, and we need to find them, and they need to find us. That's, uh, good, good. So what people can do right now is effectively financial support. If they know of locations, they could bring forward some locations. If someone owns a building, yeah. they could possibly offer their building uh, to help the school get started, it would, of course, yeah. need to be appropriate to be a school building. Yeah. But uh, but you've done this before with success, so this isn't new to you. Uh, it's just it's just back to ground zero. Let let me ask you this next question: Why do you care so much? Because you care, I can tell. I think it's the future of our country uh, can be decided on. Uh, uh, Private institutions. Uh, we just, we just, our government is running away with things, and it's, it's, it's very alarming, uh, and very frankly, uh, kids are not learning the right things in schools today. And I'm not, I'm not, the only one saying that. Mm-hmm. We've, uh, we've been talking to parent groups. Um, been talking to parents who say there are groups out there that are very discouraged by what's going on in the schools and what's being taught and um, with the government overreach uh, into into schools where their children are uh, uh, just not being treated right and certainly not being taught right uh, it could be it could we we want we want to teach the children so that they can be the best citizens they can be uh, to vote, to uh, be leaders, and to start in the K through 12 environment. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's very important for that reason. Uh, when you, uh, you know, when you work with kids, I guess maybe not, it's, it's not everybody's experience, but it was my experience <laughs> when, um, uh, 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 little David came to school. He was a first grader. He couldn't read, but he was a very bright kid. Mm-hmm. There was no doubt about it. And so I got the program I was talking about, and he and I sat down, and after a few few weeks, he could read. Hmm. When you do something like that, it gets you. And it, 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 uh, it certainly got me, and... Uh, so so it's very easy for me to dedicate time and, and, and effort toward this goal because I, f- I think our country needs it and our children need it and our, and our children are our future. Yeah, so. that's true. Well, that's that's absolutely outstanding. Um, our guest, Jim Kowarden, is, uh, was a United States Naval Academy graduate, which is always ranked as one of the top five, I, I know I think two or three years ago, it was ranked number one. It always goes back and forth with Harvard and Yale educations. Ohio State, uh, Ohio State University, Department of Education, PhD. Uh, somebody that, that pretty much knows what he's talking about, which is wonderful. 
starting off a new charter school initiative here with a classical education. Jim, anything else that you would like to add as we uh, head towards wrap-up with this segment? Well, just uh, uh, please consider helping us because we need a lot, we need a lot of help. But um, it, it will, it will it, if we can get the right things put in place, it will mean a lot to a lot of kids f- over a long period of time. Okay, our, our guest today has been Jim Quarden. Jim is one of the leaders in Central Ohio in terms of helping our children forward. He is a leader with lots of experience having served our country and wants to see the continuation of America as the number one leading country in the world through our children, through education, and paying forward to give to the future. Thank you. Hey, thanks for giving us your time to listen. You've been listening to Fill in the Blank with Sean Parker, where we talk about the issues of politics and the geopolitical marketplace, as well as economics. If you like our channel, please subscribe to us at Fill in the Blank on YouTube, and be sure to listen every week as we come back to you with some of the most thought-provoking people of the day, and learning is always the key to what we're trying to do.